This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Plenty to talk about today. I'll be joined in a little bit by Tim Johnson, MMA fighter. Big bout on Friday night, Bellator 261. It's on Showtime around 8 p.m. Heavyweight bout. Tim Johnson, a Minnesota native, uh, wrestled at Minnesota State Moorhead. He's been uh, kind of working his way up the ranks, fought in UFC for a while, now with Bellator. Really enjoyed a conversation I had with him, so I hope you guys do as well. We'll have that coming up for you in a little bit. Let's explore some twins trade ideas, too, as part of several questions that I will answer, uh, some some listener questions that I have time to get to today. A lot of fun with those, some uh, some serious, some not so serious, but I think I'll make the uh, the question about possible twins trade targets the centerpiece of those questions and answers. But first, what did I miss? Twins, Cleveland, it was only fitting that uh, that it came down to a moment in the eighth inning where we've seen Eddie Rosario do this so many times at Target Field, a clutch hit. This time, though, for Cleveland. Breaks a 1-1 tie. Cleveland goes on to beat the Twins 4-1. The Twins' uh, difficult season, to say the least, continues. Eddie Rosario's, Eddie Rosario's year hasn't been great, but it's been getting better. He has 41 RBIs now. That's more than anybody on the Twins. He's played in 69 of 72 games this season for Cleveland. That court, that sort of durability can't be overlooked for a Twins team that uh, you know hasn't had a lot of great luck, especially with injuries, especially in the outfield. Now, the Twins in the offseason decided they didn't need Eddie Rosario, and it made a certain financial sense. They've got a glut of young outfielders coming up. We've seen Alex Kirilov, who, who may or may not stay in the outfield, might become a first baseman. You've got Trevor Larnick. You've got Max Kepler. You've got Byron Buxton. When healthy, there's no... No room necessarily if you think all those guys are ready. So it made sense that there was, you know, if that was a salary that they were going to shed, that was a, a way to, uh, you know, a way to free up some money to go do some other stuff. Rosario gets a one-year, eight million dollar deal with Cleveland, and again, he he's not the he's not the reason. I wouldn't say that things have have fallen apart this year for the Twins, but he is a heart and soul guy. He he is, uh, you know, one of those guys that affects clubhouse mood. He's one of those guys that you know has slightly better career numbers in the clutch than he does overall. Seems to get big hits, not afraid of the moment. Not saying the Twins don't have other players like that, but he is a guy that set a certain emotional tone for this team, and I think he is missed in, in a lot of different ways. And I mentioned the durability. I mean, he had almost 600 plate appearances every year from 2017 to 2019. He played in 57 of the 60 games last season for the Twins. And again, you could kind of see the beginning of the end last year. Um, but, you know, all that said, I feel like the Twins miss him, and I think Cleveland was was smart to pick him up to uh, you know to to bring him into that mix. Not that he's having a great year; he's hitting a little over 250, you know, 41 RBIs. We don't love the counting stats these days, but uh, you know those those play those count, and those are those are a reason why a team can win and pull ahead and uh, and be where the where Cleveland is and maybe where the Twins are. So. I'm curious. I'd be, I'd be, I'd love to go back and see how this season played out differently if, if Eddie Rosario was on the Twins instead of Cleveland. Again, I don't think it's, it's not the difference in three, five, even you know, eight wins. I don't think, you know, a, a guy like that, you know, you, you romanticize what someone brings to the table when he is, you know, one of those guys that seems to get a lot of clutch hits. But I do think they miss him more than maybe they wanted to let on, maybe more than they realized they would. 
And, you know, it, it's just unfortunate that they had to learn it the hard way now and watch him do those things for Cleveland that he used to do for the Twins. Enjoy your money your way when you switch to Royal Credit Union. You can pay friends and family for free, deposit checks on the go, and even get alerts about your accounts sent in real time. Stop in and open your account today or get started at rcu.org slash your way. Insured by NCUA. Happy to have on Daily Delivery today, Tim Johnson, MMA fighter. He's got a big bout coming up on Friday. Um, fights for Bellator. It's going to be uh, on Showtime Friday night. Main card looks like it's going to be around 8 o'clock Central Time. Um, Tim, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm, I'm interested in your in your story. So maybe we can travel a little bit back in time before we you know, dive too deep into this specific bout, this uh, you know, Bellator 261. You are Minnesota native. You wrestled at uh, Minnesota State Moorhead. You're from uh, Lamberton, Minnesota, which is kind of south, uh, south, southwest of the Twin Cities quite a ways. Is that right? Yep. Yep. That it is uh, down there in the corner. Uh, uh, probably, you know, definitely closer to Sioux Falls in Minneapolis, about an hour away from, hour, 15 minutes away from Sioux Falls. Talk me through the, your, you know, that's a small town that's, you know, less than a thousand people. How do you go from there to, you know, college wrestling to now doing what you are now? Um, you know, uh, I think the best, the best way to explain it is uh, I didn't go with the plan always. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of just went with the flow of things. Um, you know, I wrestled at uh, my first two years uh, wrestling. I wrestled at Bridgewater Junior College in Wilmer. And then uh, got done with that and kind of got bored, joined the military, uh, joined the Minnesota Guard. And then uh, when I got back from, you know, basics and all that stuff, then I went up to Moorhead and wrestled up there for a couple of years. And once I got done with wrestling, there's some area uh, heavyweights that got, were in fighting. And, you know, heavyweights are few and far to come by. So after I got done wrestling, they're like, hey, you don't have to fight. Just come on in and, and uh, just be a body for us to roll around with. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Within eight weeks, I think I took my first pro fight. <laughs> and um, yeah, from there, I just kind of fought for fun. And um, after I uh, got back to deployment, kind of started training again and, you know, um, started taking it a little more seriously in about 2014. I started training, actually training MMA. Um, all my fights prior to that, I, all I did was utilize my wrestling. <laughs> I didn't really know how to sure. throw a punch. And yeah, I just kind of knocked off the right wins. And eventually went from the regional level, getting signed by the UFC, um, kind of had a hot, cold career with the UFC. Um, and I was like, oh, or uh, they didn't read, uh, renew my contract in mm -hmm. 2018. And I uh, instantly wanted to go over to Bellator. I knew I liked their format. I know uh, I had a lot of opportunities over here and didn't start my Bellator career the way I wanted to. And, you know, this last, uh, you know, 18 months here, I racked off three good wins and, you know, finally within reach of my uh, goal. Now, you, you you mentioned the earlier bouts. I think a lot of those were in Fargo, right? Fargo, North Dakota? Yeah, pretty much all of them were. I think I had one in like Newtown, North Dakota, but they're pretty much all in uh, Fargo. Gotcha. I'm a Grand Forks native, so I know the area reasonably well. What What's it like as you're kind of building your kind of building up and kind of those early bouts in, you know, in, in mixed martial arts, what, what's the scene like, I guess. Um, you know, Fargo actually, um, you know, the, up there in the border in North Dakota, Minnesota there, we had a, uh, really, really good, uh, um, you know, MMA environment. Um, there was a lot of, a lot of fans, a lot of area fans. Um, what's a uh, little pond, little pond, big, I guess would be a little pond superstar. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of, 
uh, you know, a lot of regional fighters and fight fans will understand that term. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of the regional guys, you know, we're kind of like out Iowa, like kind of how I started out, you know, we didn't really expect to do anything. We just kind of like feeling like a super, or like a, you know, a superstar the night after the fight. <laughs> sure. And then you, you know, even going back a little bit further, Lamberton, what's, what's growing up in Lamberton like, and how did you get to, um, you know, I think you mentioned you, you, you wrestled at a, in Wilmer for a couple of years at, at a, at a smaller college and then on the way to a Minnesota state, did you know you wanted to wrestle as you were growing up? Um, yeah, no, I wrestled my, I grew up on a hog farm outside of Lamberton. Um, we okay. raised a row crop as well. Um, so, you know, I had a pretty good work ethic, um, growing up a lot of chores, uh, with, uh, with the hogs and yeah, you know, wrestling was a part of my life, but I actually went to college for football. I wasn't going to wrestle, um, after my football, after the football season was over that first year at college, um, the wrestling coach like, Hey Tim, why don't you give wrestling another try? I'm like, ah, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> like two days later, I'm like, ah, why not? And I ended up, you know, not, uh, quitting football the following year and just making wrestling my priority. Growing up on a hog farm, is your, uh, your, is your family still, still do that? Is that still part of the, the, your, uh, you know, the Johnson family? Uh, nope, nope. We got out of that and the market crash was at 97. Okay. I think 90. Yeah. The, when the market crashed, we kind of got out of there. Um, and I uh, no, uh, mom works at school. Dad works at the co-op now. Okay. Gotcha. So, and you mentioned a deployment originally, was that when you were deployed to Iraq? Is that correct? Yep. Uh, deployed to Kuwait, Iraq, um, in 11 to 12. So we were part of the pullout of Iraq. What was that? I mean, <laughs> just, a, just a, like the small question for a, a lot, I'm sure that happened, but what, what is that experience like? How did you, how did that kind of shape you as you came back, especially? Um, no, I loved, I loved, I had a great experience. Um, you know, where that goes with saying, uh, without or with saying some other things, but, um, it, it grew me up, you know, I was, a uh, 25, you know, still kind of, you yeah, had a little bit of a immature in, in immatureness in me yet. And, um, you know, the deployment definitely kind of, kind of grew me up a little bit and, uh, my maturity and just kind of did, had a different outlook on the world and life in general after we got back. Now, you, like you mentioned, your, your path took you through UFC and then you signed with Bellator. It looked like your one of the biggest fights you had was a little over a year ago, maybe in 2020, um, a big victory. What, what did that do for you, for your confidence, for your profile, things like that? Um, yeah, I guess, you know, the, the resurgence, I mean, started with the Tyrell fortune knockout fight in February. Yep. Um, you know, everyone, I think Vegas had me as a six, six to one underdog for that. (laughs) And, you know, it's kind of a running joke now. Like I'm always the underdog. No one ever expects much of me. Like even now I'm like almost a three to one underdog for this fight. Um, and that's that's kind of the way I like it. Um, you know, fly under the radar and, you know, kind of almost put a little chip on the shoulder. Um, and then, you know, the pandemic happened and they started getting fights going and, you know, I had another big opportunity at Mitrione. I uh, was able to get TKO win there, and I just was able to rattle it off and uh, avenge one of my first losses in Bellator. I was able to get a win against Jeff Congo in France. And, you know, I hate saying this because it was such a bad year for so many people, but I think 2020 was one of my best years ever. Yeah, I mean, understandably, you, you, you know, it's kind of when you had your you know career take off to a certain degree, and now there's this big fight Friday on Showtime as part of Bellator 261. But as in the midst of the training for this, you were you called in with the National Guard again. 
as part of the Derek Chauvin trial and kind of preparing for, for all that, um, how much of a, a, how much of a disruption to your training was that? How long were you here? And, and B, you know, what was, what was that time of your life like? Cause that's pretty fresh. Um, yeah. You know, so I got out of the guard. I didn't be up in 2016. Um, and I always planned on going back and uh, getting my other 10 years, I had 10 years. In, and, you know, I was take, just took a break uh, to focus on my career for a while. And um, I had a buddy, uh, recruiter buddy say, hey, uh, you've been out for almost five years. You might want to rejoin because if you don't, you have to go back to basic training. <laughs> so okay. I'm like, I, I really don't feel like going doing basic training again. So I rejoined in November and it was my first drill actually back. And we started already training up for uh, kind of do it, kind of anticipating the deployment to Minneapolis. And, um, you know, probably three weeks after that first drill, we got called up and had to start getting everything. I was in state from March 4th to I think about April 15th. Um, and yeah, so we were first ones we were at, the, we were at the courthouse there the whole time, you know, it's all about my unit or the unit leadership and they are, they didn't have to do this for me, but they did. And you know, that, I just appreciate it from that aspect. They actually let me cut out about two weeks before everyone else. So I get training for this fight. Oh, wow. Okay. So what was that about? You said mid April or so that you were able to, to get back to training. Yep. Yep. So how, where are you at now with your training and your kind of, I imagine, I think the story for a lot of MMA fighters that start out as wrestlers, you probably had that piece of it. And maybe you even said that you have that piece of it, then you've got to add some other things. I imagine as you, you know, fight more experienced people as you get up the ranks, correct? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I say this all the time. Um, you know, wrestling's a great base, but it only gets you so far. Wrestling will get you in trouble in MMA. You have to know, when to wrestle and when to shut it off <laughs> sure um, and you know i'm pretty basic i just stick with a good wrestling base and uh boxing um I, you know i'm a i'm a i'm all about the acronym kiss keep it simple stupid <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a pretty good philosophy in a in, in a sport like mma i mean a lot of just looking through your career i think what 15 and 6 overall and a lot of bouts are quick. I mean, it's a sport where, you know, for those who are uninitiated, a lot of things happen quick. A lot of these bouts end in the first round. I mean, some of them go to a decision. You've had a few like that, but how do you, what, what's the feeling like when you get into, you know, the, the octagon, as it were, you know, the, the ring and, and you're, you're, you know, you're in there and you, you know, you're, you're kind of in this space where anything can kind of happen. It can happen fast. Um, yeah, I mean, initially when they uh, first get in there, it's um, as uh, you kind of think to yourself, "Crap, they locked the door. I can't get back out." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's something that I don't, you know. Some people say they get used to it. I think they're lying. Uh, there's always nerves, and you're you're walking in there going, "Man, knowingly you're going to get in a fist fight <laughs> and uh, elbows, kicks, everything else." Um, so it takes a takes a couple of seconds to kind of adjust your mindset a little bit. And, you know, but once you touch gloves with the opposite guy, um, you know, muscle memory takes over no matter where your head's at, at least your body is going to function. Career wise, how, you know, how do you gauge the importance of this fight? Where is it in terms of kind of the most, you know, out of your 21 bouts previously, you know, you know, all, especially all the ones in, in UFC and now in Bellator, where, where does this one rank in terms of importance at this stage of your career? Uh, this one's definitely got to be number one. Um, you know, this is what, uh, from my first fight in 2011 to now, um, I mean, that's a 10 year, 10 year career or was it 2010? Uh, I can't remember. See, I already ate too many shots to the head. Uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, this is what 
you know, eventually when I started trading hard in 2014, this was my goal, um, was to achieve, um, a championship into a major, in a major, uh, promotion and kind of know to myself that I'm one of the best in the world. Gotcha. Are you still, are you still based in Fargo? Where do you do most of your training now? Um, I actually, uh, up in my, after my first Czech Congo fight in 2018, um, I up in, uh, moved to Las Vegas when, okay. so I'm, I live out in Las Vegas now I'm training at extreme couture out there. Uh, prior to that, I was uh, training in Fargo at the Academy of combat arts and, you know, it was a great gym, great coaches, but I just ran out of bodies to train with my main trading partners were 185 pounds. So that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't really equate to, to, you know, success, you know, I wasn't set myself up for success with that. So finally I had to make the decision to move across the country. I know you're fighting as a heavyweight. What's your, what's your fighting weight generally? Um, you know, it used to, used to be, I had to cut down to get below 265. Now I'm kind of hovering around the 260 area. Okay. That's a couple of big bodies in there. Then it's gotta be a, you, you, how do you psych yourself up? Let's like a couple more things. Like when you get uh, you know, when, when Friday comes, what's, uh, how do you either calm yourself down or psych yourself up? What's, what's the, how do you get yourself in the right mindset? Um, just kind of, it's easier said saying this is way easier than said than done. Um, because you, you do have nerves. It's just easier to, I just keep telling myself, it's just a fight. It's not the end of the world. Just you could win, you can lose. You're not going to, it's not like you're driving down the road looking for roadside bombs. <laughs> yeah. Is, this is just a competition and you know, whatever happens, happens. Just make sure that you go out there and put on a performance or put the output on that you're, you're going to be happy with. And that's something that I have always, that I've always been, I can handle a loss as long as I know that I did uh, everything I could. Your, your parents, family, will they, will they watch? Do they, is it a hard thing for them to watch? They cheer you on. How does that work? Yeah, no, my, uh, they watch, uh, they, they'll have watch parties. Um, out at, you know, my sisters, uh, they have a, out at their resort at their campsite there, they'll, the whole resort goes and they do a watch party there. My parents will have to do a watch party with some family friends. Um, and yeah, no, that's, uh, <laughs> You know, they don't, my parents don't necessarily like the sport, but they, they support me in it. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds about right. Well, hey, had a great time getting, getting to know you a little bit here, Tim. Best of luck in your bout Friday. That's Valentin Moldovsky, I believe is, is the correct uh, pronunciation there. Yep, He's 10 and, yep. 10 and 1. That'll, that should be a good bout. It should be, uh, it should be exciting to watch if you have showtime Friday night, main bout around 8 p.m. And uh, you should check that out. So, Tim, best of luck with that and everything else going forward. And thanks for joining me here today. No, absolutely. Thanks for having me. You bet. Take care. Yep, you too. Love the honesty from Tim Johnson when he talked about, you know, just getting into the ring and the, the nerves that, that hit you when you realize what you're in store for. Loved how he, he kind of talked through how he calms himself down. Just really in, interesting insights from, you know, an athlete who competes in, a, in an arena that I don't, you know, I don't get into all that often. I don't, I don't watch much MMA, but I'm pulling for him. I hope he does well on Friday night and for the rest of his career. No doubt about that. Uh, AC out there in the flat. There's a ball thrown in the, uh, low. That, that isn't Snoker's fault. That Jerry Burns rant is reserved for Jose Barrios. Thursday night pitched a great game. Six innings, a little over six innings, four hits, one run. Not his fault that the Twins lost 4-1, deserved maybe a better fate. Didn't get the loss, left with the 1-1 tie, but nevertheless did not get the win in that game. You realize the Twins had had won seven straight Jose Barrio starts going into this game. That is a lot for a team that has struggled to the magnitude they have struggled this season. This year, 
uh, as a matter of fact, is not Jose Barrios's fault in any way. I know people want more from him in some directions, but you know what? Guy is 7-2 and two now, 3.41 ERA. That's an awfully good season, especially for a team that has not been going great, and that leads me to my next segment, which is a lot of discussion of your questions and the first question uh, from Matt Wells. Are any teams likely to want any of the players that it would ma- that would make sense for the Twins to trade besides Jose Barrios? Now I gotta I gotta include Barrios first of all because I think that's the primary asset they have. But they've got some interesting players, and I think there is more than Jose Barrios that other teams could potentially be interested in 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 deals that could that could bring back decent prospects. I think Nelson Cruz. Uh, Taylor Rogers could be in the mix. I think Byron Buxton, who I've talked about, is not being untouchable. I would be surprised if that was a mid-season move. But you know, Barrios, Taylor Rogers, and Buxton—all free agents after the 2022 season—meaning they're not just rentals. They're not just guys who are going to you know go to a team for two months, two and a half months, and then just you know sign in free agency with somebody else after that. They all have value beyond that team control for one more year after this so gotta start with Barrios I I know the question was besides Barrios but I think Barrios has a lot of value to a lot of teams Uh, reading an MLB.com piece uh, kind of a round table looking at who you know who might be looking at uh, at at starting pitching who in particular might be looking at Jose Barrios Um, you know the Yankees name came up boy wouldn't that be a a kick in the butt right you don't want to see Jose Barrios go there Um, mentioned like Tampa Bay Oakland, although those are teams, you know, while they might benefit from pitching, they they might also, you know, those aren't necessarily teams that add, you know, that add payroll necessarily or, or add, you know, add guys that are coming up onto their onto their paydays. Those those are teams that that want more team control generally uh, when it when it comes to that. So you can see the Yankees making a, a run at Barrios. You can see any team that needs a starting pitcher going after Barrios. Any team that's got a decent farm system that could give the Twins, you know, two or three prospects including a, a really high level one that might not be too far away from making a debut because I don't think the twins are in this to to compete again in 2023 this is a team that you know was built to win this season it hasn't gone their way this year but I think any players they get back uh, the primary players got to be awfully close to making a debut maybe even later this season just not ready you know to be you know a, a mainstay necessarily yet but but someone who's ready to to break in and and get that start in the majors so I think Jose Barrios is the most likely trade candidate, um, and I think he is going to get traded because you maximize your value um, with with that trade. Even though you know the the rotation looks terrible without him, I don't. I just don't see them signing him to a long term extension if they haven't done that already. Nelson Cruz um, uh, of the. You know, of the of those three guys, the, you know the three guys I mentioned that are you know coming up on walk years after 2022. Cruz a free agent after 2021. Um, he can be a free agent after this season, so he's you know more of a more of a, a rental candidate. You know st- he's been he's been hitting really well lately. I wrote him off on this podcast about two three weeks ago. Said I'm worried. I think he's fading. Boy, that was uh, that was dumb, uh, wasn't it? I I, I you know he, it looked like it, but boy, he 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 had a resurgence again. A lot of teams could be interested in him, especially, you know, this makes sense if the Twins are able to deal him to a team and maybe they retain some of the salary for him the rest of the year. Gets them a slightly better prospect than they might get otherwise for a rental player. But I could see him going somewhere easily, you know, move uh, move Miguel Sano to DH, move Alex Kirilov to first base on a permanent basis. 
Um, you lose something because Nelson Cruz is bad in the middle of the lineup. I mean, again, you take away Nelson Cruz, you take away Jose Barrios. This team is floundering even worse. But, you know, if you're 10, 11, 12 games under 500 already, what does that really matter? you got to get better for 2022 and beyond. Taylor Rogers, probably another name to really consider in this mix. Again, hard to imagine the Twins without Taylor Rogers. He's the only relief pitcher you trust. A lot of teams would line up for Taylor Rogers, though. He's got some versatility. Um, he can set up. He can close. He's got experience in that. He gets strikeouts. He, you know, he's he's not afraid of the moment. So um, I, I can imagine him being someone too who, you know, after a year and a half, he's going to be a free agent as well. Is that someone the Twins want to pay long term? Are they going to pay him long term, or is some? Or are they going to look at it and say, you know what? Um, he's going to get expensive. We could we could get uh, we could get some prospects in here. We could get somebody else. That, that could be a, a lower-cost, longer-term replacement for him. So I think those are the three most likely players that will be dealt uh, by the Twins, Jose Barrios, Taylor Rogers, and Nelson Cruz. Maybe not necessarily in that order, but it would not surprise me if any of those guys go. And it wouldn't surprise me if there were some other minor moves as well around the edges. I think I answered one of Mark Jensen's many questions. He had four questions, uh, one of them being first three players I think the Twins will trade. He also wants to know when the fire sale begins. You know, it could be sooner rather than later. I was kind of looking at this stretch. I mean, Thursday night started a stretch of 25 games against AL Central teams. I was kind of looking at it like, is this their last kind of attempt to maybe get back into some sort of relevant position but if the start of this stretch goes poorly if they you know if they go three and seven or something like that and fall even further behind they might not wait too long into July to say you know what this just isn't working maximize value make make these trades so I think a little bit of it is dependent on how this next seven to ten game stretch goes again a lot of games against Chicago they got 10 games against Chicago uh, after this Cleveland series in their next like 20, 21 games. So an opportunity to make up ground, but more likely an opportunity to lose even more ground. So again, a little bit dependent on how things go, but would not surprise me if things go poorly in the next week to 10 days, if it happens earlier in July than closer to the deadline. Mark also wants to know, how do we judge go for football recruiting for 2022? I'm going to have to admit that's not necessarily my area of expertise but I think you know PJ Fleck being able to get back out onto the road right now do his thing face to face will only help them in the long run because that is where his strength generally is Mark also wants to know will the T-Wolves make the playoffs next year I don't think so um, everybody knows me I've had Timberwolves optimism perhaps to a a, a bizarre degree over the years I, I, I've you know keep wondering is this the year they turn the corner is this the year they turn the corner I don't think this is necessarily a proclamation that they're not going to be better next year. I can see them winning 35, maybe 40 games, contending for a play-in, uh, if that's still a thing next year, if that's going to be the way the NBA does things going forward, where they could be a top-10 seed and get into that you know, get into that mix potentially. But being a top-8 team, and you know, specifically being a top-6 team where you're, you're automatically into the playoffs, I just don't see it. I think if they would have gotten that top-3 pick in the lottery earlier this week, that might have been a conversation because then – they would have had an extra asset to go and get maybe one more really, really good player. But as it is, I just don't see how this roster turns enough of a corner to be a playoff team. Unless Gerson Rosas is able to, to make a trade that I don't imagine he can make at this point. I think next year is about getting better, getting closer, but but not necessarily making the playoffs next season. They need to show 
a, a next level of improvement next year, to be sure. I just don't think playoffs is where they're going to get to after that point. Mark also wanted to know my favorite Taco John's meal. I'm very basic. I go on Taco Tuesday. I get five tacos generally, unless I get 15, like I did uh, you know, four years ago and eat all 15. I generally just get five tacos, eat the five tacos. Every once in a while, I throw in a potato ole because you got to have some potato olays, but uh, usually just the tacos for me at Taco John's. And my friend Dana Wessel will take this one last, wants to know if you could sub in for one game for Crunch, TC, Nordy, or the Vikings mascot, which would you pick and why? What would you most be looking forward to doing? I gave this a lot of thought, probably more thought. Not that it, not, not that it didn't deserve thought because it's a good question, but it's not necessarily a serious question. But I got into it. I got into the weeds. I'm thinking, okay, T.C. Bear, I don't think I want to necessarily be T.C. Bear. You got too much weather variance there. It could get hot in that costume. I don't think I want to be T.C. Bear. It's a long game, too. Baseball, you never know how long the game is going to go. And it's just not as much fun stuff you can do, unless it's one of those softball days where, the, where TC gets to hit the softballs over the fence. Then, maybe uh, Vikings. Now, that, that's not what I'm. That's not what I'm. Not what I'm going for. Wild. Um, you know, I can skate, so that would be okay. I, I I could see myself doing that. But really, if the question is what do I want to be, it's crunch. It's easily crunch because. You got a, a fixed a fixed amount of time. You're going to be in that suit, and the thing I'd certainly be most looking forward to, and you know, let's be honest, most terrified of, is those trampoline dunks. I would love to try that in the mascot costume. I'm sure it would take a lot of practice. I would probably break something and hurt something very badly, but that part of it would be extra extra fun. So Dana Wessel, I would like to be Crunch for a day. Maybe we can make that happen at some point. That'll do it for today and for the week. Thank you so much for joining me on Daily Delivery. If you missed any of the episodes this week, maybe you should listen to them over the weekend. It's going to be hot. It's going to be a good good podcast listening weather, I like to say. Download this podcast always wherever you get your finer podcasts. Read Star Tribune, startribune.com. We'll be back again on Monday.